Um, some of you will probably be, be uh, better knowledgeable and uh, help educate me or us. Uh, I, I've already alluded to it more than once, but I'm just amazed at uh, how the world's attention is turned to this one little speck. You know, this is this is what's that that the red dot inside the red square, of course, is sort of where all the attention is going. Now, again, there's wars and rumors of wars going all over the world, right? But so much of the focus is here, and that's just this side of the world. If we don't pay attention, you can't read it. But here's the world map, and that's how the square gets to be. As we think about God bringing them into the promised land, you know, uh, it reminds you of Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 7. God didn't choose them because they were mighty. He didn't choose them because they were many. He chose them because he chose them. And it's a small, small place. Uh, Here's a modern political... Uh, division of what's going on and what the reason I put this up is there is some history among those three green group green uh, areas of uh, that area the Gaza Strip the West Bank I mean that's West Bank's a pretty good chunk of the Israel, that's most, that's at least, that's 75% Palestinian people. And then the Golan Heights, which 20 years ago were talked about a whole lot, not too much today. But uh, so I went and did some research about these places. Uh, what are the wars of the 20th century in Israel? In that, in Palestine, I guess. What were they? Well, Well, in 1948, right? When Israel Israel became a nation. Uh, What's that? 67 was the Six-Day War. uh, And and that's where these green areas uh, came from. Uh, you think about the Gaza Strip that's going on right there, right? The length of that, north to south, is from here to the Fleming Farm and five miles wide. That's, that's a small place, and you read and you'll say, and they'll say something about, you people be sure to stay in the south because the north is going, well, the north would be what, from here to Baybrook or something. You know, I mean, you know, it's this is a small area. Um, the West Bank has 2,000 square miles. I don't know what this number actually means, but there is a metropolitan statistical area of Houston. That's probably a pretty wide picture of Houston. 10,000 square miles five times the size of the West Bank. Um, Just Houston is West Bank's one-fifth of that. Um, After this land was all belonging to the Ottoman Empire, the Turks, from 1500 to 1918, it's after World War I that the Turks... Turkish people gave up Palestine, and the Brits had it. Part of that British Empire, I guess, where the sun never set on the British Empire when they were involved in so many places. Uh, The League of Nations had appointed them, and from 1918 to 1948, it was just mixed with Jews and Arabs and uh, Palestinians, all kinds of people. And so it was constantly in battle. Uh, and feel free to comment if you want to add. I don't. I just have some bare bones fact. Uh, 
I hope they're facts. I mean, it's on the internet. That's fact, right? It's true. Judea and Samaria is the West Bank, right? Yes, that's right. From the river to the sea. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. That's what we're that's what we're looking at in Joshua. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the uh, uh, Gaza Strip. Uh, was administered by Egypt. Egypt uh, kind of administered the Gaza Strip, and of course Israel uh, managed the West Bank, and then Jordan annexed the West Bank. It became part of Jordan, or Jordan annexed it after uh, during or after the Six Day uh, War in 2005. Israel again, Egypt. Uh, was administering it after World War I until the Six-Day War. Israel took it over, said it, uh, the Gaza Strip was still administered by Egypt. In 2005, Israel got out of there. They left, but they blockaded them in, sort of, and they restrict anything in and out since 2005. Uh, Jordan annexed the West Bank in 1950 after the Six-Day War. Six-Day War. Not the Six-Day War, the 1948 War when Israel defeated Syria, actually, uh, in the Golan Heights. They took that from Syria and managed it uh, from 19, in 1948. 50, 1950, Jordan annexed the West Bank, and so it's mixed, right? That's where Jerusalem is uh, more Arabs. Uh, in 1980, um, Israel got into the eastern half of Jerusalem, took part of Jerusalem. Uh, let's see. Golan Heights, again, captured from Syria in, in the Six-Day War in 1967. Uh, what else? Uh, Right. Could have been commerce and, and all from Egypt to Gaza, but the Egyptians didn't want to do business with the Palestinians either. And they're both Arabs. Yes. Um, they did allow some coming and going of people and goods, but it was very restrictive. Uh, so, I, I don't know, that's just some of the history. How, we, how you have the Gaza Strip. When the, the uh, uh, 1948 war, when Israel became a nation, uh, and then in 1967, Israel then uh, uh, acquired or fought off some of the land and then sectioned some of these places off. So you have the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and you have uh, the Golan Heights. You don't hear much again about the Golan Heights now. Uh, so we get to... Uh, chapter 13, last week, uh, or the uh, last week we met, uh, we were in chapter 12 where uh, the kings uh, were defeated by Moses in that gray area as they were coming up from the south, uh, fighting against these folks coming out of the wilderness from Egypt. Moses led them in up to here. Well, uh, these are the uh, areas that they defeated, and we saw the kings that Moses defeated on his way up uh, to the east side of the Jordan River, north of the Dead Sea there, as they're approaching. It, Moses is about to die. They're approaching, uh, uh, entering Canaan, and so Joshua is taking over. That's where we've been. They uh, entered the land in the first four ver uh, chapters, then they took the land through uh, chapter 5 through 12. Now it's going to be possessing the land. And so, and it's not, I mean, you know, it's 
It's a lot more fun to watch war movies than it is to read about the land acquired after the war movies, right? And that's kind of where we are. But there's some real good application for us. Uh, uh, it could be boring as, as we read over all of it, and we'll skip over some of the names and the descriptions, but it's important to the Israelites. If you're a, if you're a Jew, this is important stuff because this is the promises of God being fulfilled to his people in the old covenant. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 13. Yes. In today's geopolitical world, do the, to your knowledge, do the Jewish people, does the nation of Israel base their claim on what we're reading here now? Sure. On something? Do, do, they, do they actually base it on, on Joshua and the fact that God gave us this land, the modern Jew? Yeah. Do they? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Not going to make a mention that all the time. Yeah, yeah. This is their homeland. This is their ancestral homeland. And, and they see it that way. Ever since, yes, they see it that way. Ever, yes, marked out in numbers. See the green. The green is actually what's marked out in numbers thirty-three and thirty-four. The east side of the Jordan was not, but God gave it to them as they defeated these kings that we'll look at in these first few verses of chapter thirteen, uh, and that gray area. So again, they're coming out of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. That whole generation has to die off because of their rebellion. If you've been reading Hebrews 1 through 6, uh, in our readings, those who have managed to keep up with the readings, we see that as an illustration of entering into salvation, into the rest, uh, because they did not get to enter into the promised land enter into God's rest because of their rebellion. Uh, So, verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years. Thank you. And there remains yet very much land to possess. It's the first indication that they have failed to possess the land they were supposed to have possessed, right? First, uh, at least the first time it's said, there's still much land to possess. They've conquered the south, they conquered the north, but not all of it. Uh, and, And so, in fact, what slide are we? Yeah. We'll look. I showed this the other day. This is me and my granddaughter building the map. Um, All of the land uh, that is green is part of Numbers 33 and 34, God's gift to the Israelite nation, the promised land that they have not yet taken. They've taken the red, but not the green. Uh, and so, uh, and, and again, they've added that uh, uh, from the Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee where the Jordan River is, everything on the east of that they've added that was not included in Numbers, uh, but God gave it to them later. Uh, Jerusalem is not taken. See that little finger coming? And then all of the rest of this is not uh, yet taken. We're going to read that right here. Joshua was old and advanced, and God told him he's old and advanced. Verse 2, this is the land that yet remains, all the region of the Philistines and all those of the Geshurites. So the Philistines, of course, down there by Gaza. The Philistines are going to be up and down here. We're not going to go through all of these, but... You see, um, and from Shihor, which is east of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron, which would be part of the Philistine area. So that's all of this coming up, all this area here coming up from Egypt. Uh, they, They haven't taken that yet. Uh, there are five rulers of the Philistines. Who can name the five cities of the Philistines? Gath. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, who? Gath and Ekron. Okay. So we're good. Those are the listings. Any significance there? Gath is where Goliath was. Really uh, trouble for David in David's time. They never did take that land. Were you going to say, ask something or say something, uh, Lily? Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, verse 4, in the south, all the land of the Canaanites and Merah that belongs to the Sidonians. Uh, uh, oh, in the south, by the way, I think in the south goes, uh, needs to be in verse 3. The, uh, the five, he says, there are five rulers of the Philistines and those of Avim in the south because uh, all the land and all the land of the Canaanites and Merah that belongs to the Sidonians, well, the Sidonians are up here. So that in the south has to apply to some of this that he's, that the, uh, he's been talking about. Now we're moving north and talking about the Sidonians uh, to affect the boundary of the Amorites, the land of the Gebelites, and all of Lebanon. Well, what's happening in Lebanon right now? Okay, the Hezbollah are, are bombing Israel from the north, right? Le Lebanon's up here bombing from the north with uh, the Hezbollah. Um, toward the sunrise from Baal Gad, below Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath, and you see that's all the way in the north. All the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to Misrephoth, Maim, even all the Sidonians, God says, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide the land for an inheritance to the nine and a half, to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. So we see that we're fixing to, or, or uh, God is about to give them the allotment in the promised land for the, not for the tribes, the nine and a half tribes. Why nine and a half tribes? Yeah, two and a half of them are on the east. Manasseh has land on both sides, but that makes the 12 tribes. Um, so um, Abraham's great, great, and how many greats, I don't know, we'd need to do. Grandchildren are now going to fulfill or receive the fulfillment of the promise that was first given to Abraham uh, as they're going to enter in the promised land. They'll map out the particulars of the promise. So we have these first seven sections, and, and so he closes verse 7 with, we're about to go into Canaan and divide the land up. But in the meantime, but uh, uh, verse, we first are going to talk about dividing up the eastern side of it uh, before going into the first, we're going to talk about the Transjordan. Verse 8, with the other half of the tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, received their inheritance, which Moses gave them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. So we're going up, and he's going to mark off the boundaries. And you see essentially the boundaries. There's Reuben, one river to right where they, the northern boundary there is right short, right near where they crossed the Jordan River to camp by Jericho. But there's a river right here, a little uh, small creek uh, right there, the Arnon, that's the south boundary, up to Heshbon. Then Gad, see Gad has this little finger here, and he'll say from, from the northern boundary to uh, Mahanaim. Uh, let's keep reading verse 9 from Aurora, 
which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, that's that river there on the south end of the Reubenites, and the city that is in the middle of the valley and all the tableland as far as Dibon, and all the cities of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon as far as the boundary of the Ammonites. Um, there's Heshbon. So this is the land of Sihon, who Moses and the Israelites defeated them. Um, Alan knows a little bit about the Ammonites, right? Was the city where Alan was in Jordan? Ammon has to have something to do with the Ammonites, does it? Yeah, yeah, it has. This is Jordan over here, and the Ammonites, uh, the boundary, uh, as far as the boundary of the Ammonites, so God is giving uh, them the land up to where the Ammonite land is, and uh, Reuben is there in the south. Verse 10, Sihon, the king of Sihon, Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon as far as the boundary of the Ammonites, and Gilead, and the region of the Geshurites, the Meachathites, and all Mount Hermon, and all Bashan, all the kingdom of Og of Bashan. So that goes all, all up to here. So this is the total of the land that they're given. Uh, the king of uh, verse twelve, the king of Og and Bashan reigned in Ashtaroth and in Edriah. Uh, he alone was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. These Moses struck and drove at, and driven out. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites and the Maacathites, but Geshur and Maacath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. Um, there is the danger sign. Uh, they let them mingle with them. Uh, so he gives that general description of the area that Moses uh, defeated and is going to give to the two and a half tribes, and then they didn't drive out these Geshurites and Maacathites. Uh, they didn't... Uh, follow up the initial conquest, didn't invade and conquer. Uh, so there's a sense in which there's partial obedience. Um, partial obedience is a killer. It's, it's, its companion would be partial repentance, right? Uh, probably or very often does not bring an immediate crisis, immediate problem. Leaving these Geshurites and the Maacathites in there at this point in time doesn't create a problem. But eventually, eventually it's, it will. Um, and so they don't fully obey. They do the big thing. They fight the big wars and they take the main cities, but they don't take all of it. Um, I was reading uh, something else talking about how frequently or often we do well in the crises, in the hard times of our faith. Uh, you know, we, we, we succeed. We're faithful when these big things happen uh, in our lives. We st remain steadfast when the storm comes. And then we don't endure through the little things, through the everyday, the plodding through. I mean, you know, most of your Christian life is lived in the if you will, the mundane aspect of our day-to-day -day living. And it's easy to get bogged down. It's easy to, uh, uh, to, to flag or, or to uh, lack in our faith. When, but when the going gets tough, very often we'll stand up and 
stand up straight and be faithful. Often we're less than faithful in these little things. And I think part of the partial obedience for these Israelites in particular, they obeyed and they um, um, assuaged their conscience, if you will, that they did some good things, but they didn't fully obey. Uh, and, and again, I'm going to turn that coin over and talk about partial repentance where we might uh, confess smaller sins, avoiding some big sins, and think that we've done well. Again, salving our conscience, I've, I've admitted, I've, I've confessed to God, I've told God that I know I sin, and avoid dealing with the big sins, the real issues of our of our life. Um, you know, some people will often be sad for the consequences of their sin and they'll uh, repent in a sense of they are in trouble and so they want out of their trouble. Partial repentance. It's not true repentance at all. Um, Uh, it's sadness over the consequences, maybe afraid that God's going to get mad and punish instead of being convicted over sinning against God. So very often, those who don't confess until they get caught don't come to a complete repentance. Often, not always. Sometimes you got. Sometimes God has to take everything away from someone before they will come, and really uh, get real with God. And some do. Uh, it, it made, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse seventeen. When Esau desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Why? He wanted to repent? And he sought it with tears, but he had no opportunity to repent? Well, you don't, you don't have the verse in front of you. I have a When he desired to inherit the blessing. See, he didn't, he didn't seek repentance from God for rejecting his birthright. He didn't seek repentance from God for the actual sin. He was just sad he lost the, bless, the blessing. So when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected because he was not truly repenting. He was not confessing his sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, right? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But confessing our sins is not just stating a fact. I mean, it's included in that, but it's not trying to deny it, um, not trying to hide it, not acknowledging part of what we know we're guilty of, but acknowledging and owning our own sin and coming to God first off sad because we've offended a holy God. And then, you know, 2 Corinthians 7, earnestness to not fall into that sin again. Doing everything we can do to make right with those people we've offended. That's what true repentance is. Full repentance. Uh, again, it's turning from our sin. I've sinned. I've turned from my sin. But I know that I haven't turned from all of my sin. That will make me feel better about myself. But it's a killer because there's no forgiveness in that. We're not confessing our sin as God is calling us. Any comment, question? between the life of King Saul and King David? 
Yes. And how King Saul kept getting caught and mm. disobeying God and all, and he was remorseful. But he turned around and went to the witch of Endor and did all kinds of. Yeah, he tried to kill David. He tried to get rid of that. And then David, you know, he. David's sin was heinous. I mean, right? David's sin was heinous. And you read the Psalms that go along with the period uh, of his confession and the results of his confession and what it was like before he confessed when he came to grips, when Nathan put his finger in his face and said, you're the man. And you see what repentance is through those three or four Psalms that uh, are David's coming to grips with his sin and confessing them. Yes. Esau is the same way. Esau and David. You can, the, the differences. Uh, so, uh, yes. Who's responsible? Who's held responsible, I guess? Is it Israel? Is it the <laughs> tribes? Is it the leaders? For not fulfilling God's command to conquer all the land? Um, who is held responsible? Well, I, I think... There's individual and there's national guilt. God sends them off into captivity eventually. And eventually, you know, ultimately, that's, it's because they didn't do this. They didn't wipe out, the take away the infidels. Uh, that's not the right word. Is the pagans, whatever you want to call them, it didn't uh, get rid of the idolatry because he told them to do it because they would become idolaters. They didn't do it, and they became idolaters, and so he eventually took them out of the land. So it's, there's a national sin in a sense, but each person is also guilty, and there was a remnant. There was a remnant who believed all along, and in fact, some of the remnant got taken to Babylon. Some of the, you know, your sin, you don't sin in a vacuum. Your sin affects other people. Corey, you have any thoughts on that? Who's guilty? The king will be held, well, the leaders will be held to a higher standard, and we get to the kings. Uh, we see that through first and second kings. I mean, I think we can apply that to Joshua and the other elders. They'll be held to a higher standard than that. They'll be held more, well, to a stricter To a stricter judgment that James talks about. Yeah, yeah, Moses didn't get to go. Uh, because of his sin, he exalted himself. It, it seems like a very small thing that he did, right? I mean, but he exalted himself. And so he got to look at it, but he didn't get to go in. Uh, and, and the individuals who rebelled, of course, they, they didn't go into the promise. Who was the guy that kept the silver and the gold? Put it in his God destroyed not only Achan but the family and all the animals. The family, all the animals went into the ground. Thirty-six Israelites died in that battle. Yeah. Yeah. God did remove them from the land, but He He also brought them back. You know. He brought them back. I think. Was it during the time of Solomon? I think that he actually got to uh, get all the land that was promised to him. Yeah, went, yeah, went farther than Numbers 34 for, a, I mean, didn't occupy it, but supposedly his reign went farther. Yeah, and then they lost it again. Right? They lost it for 2,000 years. Uh, and so, uh, because of the same thing, same reason. Uh, so we're, uh, the people did not drive out the Geshurites, verse 13, or the Meachathites. Verse 14, then to the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to them. So the Levites have no land. Um, in fact, look at verse 33. 
But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. So they didn't get an inheritance, land. They got cities. They had some cities to live in. But they had the offerings by fire, which was they got to the remnants or parts of the offerings that were brought, right? And then, but the Lord God himself is their inheritance. Uh, for the Levites. Um, look at verse 3 of chapter 14. Moses had given an inheritance to the two and a half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in with their pasture lands for their livestock and their substance. Four times he says, the Levites didn't get any land. We make a point. There's a point made. They have no land, but they are taking care of God's people and the uh, tabernacle, and so they have an inheritance, but the Lord God is their inheritance. They have no land. Didn't have to pay any taxes, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and so we we have... Twelve tribes, right? We have twelve tribes uh, represented by twelve sons of Jacob. But one of the sons doesn't get any land. But we have twelve pieces of land doled out. What? Somebody said? Yeah, Joseph. Ephraim and Manasseh are, are included as in the 12. Joseph's sons, so we're back to 12 again. Then you go to Revelation, and you have a different list of 12. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's God's, God's way of dealing with them. But here are the 12 tribes. Who come? Um, we're in uh, about verse fifteen. Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben. You see that picture there on the south end, right? The little block belongs to Reuben, uh, and he lists the territory there. Uh, Verse 24, Moses gave an inheritance also to the tribe of Gad, to the people of Gad according to their clans. And he lists out their territory, and that's that little piece right there in the middle. And then a finger going all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. And then East Manasseh, Verse 29, Moses gave an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was allotted to the half-tribe of the people of Manasseh according to their clans. And then he gives the boundaries of their regions. Verse 32, these are the inheritances that Moses distributed in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan east of Jericho, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance the Lord God of Israel is theirs, just as he said uh, to them. Uh, so the Levites have no land. They're an exceptional tribe in that sense. They accept them. They have the offerings. Uh, they have God himself. And I just, any believing Israelite could claim God himself as their inheritance also. Um, Psalm 142, 5, I cry to you, O Lord, I say you are my refuge, my portion, or my inheritance in the land of the living. Alan's devotion, Sunday night, Psalm 73, right? Yeah. Psalm 73, 26, my f- flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my inheritance, my, uh, my allotment forever uh, Israel you know wouldn't regard 
all of this inheritance of the Israelites just as a bunch of dirt. They would see, the faithful ones saw it as God's gift to them. Uh, you know, we value God's gifts to us, but uh, hopefully we don't value the gift over the, God, over the God who gives the gift, the grace that he gives us. He is a God of grace. He's merciful to us. We're thankful. He blesses us. We're grateful. But we're worshiping him, not the gifts that he gives us. Israel goes to the Jordan as the eastern boundary. Is that correct? Um, or does, I, does Israel cross over into where, what we would see here as Reuben's area, Gad's area, and, and East Manasseh, does it? This is what they had. I, I No, I don't believe so. I believe it's Jordan. The Jordan River is Jordan Rivers, the Lord. And so my thought is, what what happened to these three tribes on the east? Did they simply become so infiltrated by the the other folks over time? They're they're part of the ten that was taken away, never to come back as a herd, as a group. Okay. Right. The the lost ten tribes, if you want to say it that way. Uh, they would be part of those who were conquered by the Assyrians and taken away. When they came back, they never came back. What's that? I'm sorry. When they came back, they did not come back into those areas. Well, yeah, they were. They, they, you know, they took them away. They brought in the other people, the non-Israelites, and then they kind of filtered in and, and mixed up. What's that, James? Talked to a guy named Harry Stein through email. He ran a Jewish website and asked about the tribes and stuff. It was basically Judea and uh, no, they were talking about the, the tribes and stuff. Judea and also the uh, like the priestly line. I guess he said that's the only two lines they recognized. They recognized the other tribes as being, but they couldn't trace that. Yeah. Yeah. So God remains their portion even if their land is taken away, right? Their inheritance because it gets taken away. Jeremiah writing in Lamentations, the Lord is my portion, my soul, therefore I will hope in him. While the uh, folks are in Babylon, they don't have their land anymore. Yeah. Oh. What? See, most people don't realize that he was taken to Egypt. <laughs> so, um, we're gonna, let's stop. I was going to go into chapter 14, which the inheritance west of the Jordan, we're going to, uh, we're going to run across uh, Joshua's compadre. Joshua's soulmate, no, not soulmate, but you know what I mean, uh, Caleb. We'll run across Caleb, one of the other spy who was faithful to God and knew that God would fulfill his promise. We'll see him first before the allotments are uh, marked out for all of the tribes on the western side. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, your history uh, in your word is not just for us to learn things, but it's to see how it is that you uh, relate to your people. And Lord, so we have all your promises. We have everything we need to know about salvation and the Christian life. Much more than these uh, Israelites of Joshua's day. And so we know that to whom much is given, much will be required. And we know, Father, that we're responsible for your word. As they trust in the word that they knew, you've given so much more of your word, revealed yourself so much clearer 
in particular through your son Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to strive to know it. To live in your grace according to your not only promises, but your uh, encouragements, exhortations, your commands as you show us and tell us through your word, enabling us by your Holy Spirit to do the things you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.